says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Unfortunately, we're here to break down an instant reaction loss to the North Queensland Cowboys. Doing that, as always, is my good mate and co-host, 60s. Eels went down by eight points, big fella. Frustrating loss, but I'll tell you what, as much as I'm going to be critical of a lot of things, the Eels actually did a pretty good job in the second half mitigating potential damage here. Mate, I'm all sort of mixed up emotions at the moment. There's a part of me that's actually really proud of the boys and the fight that they had in them. There's a part of me that's highly disappointed with some performances um, on an individual level and on a combination level. Uh, There's a part of me that's a little bit enraged about some decisions. Not all decisions, but some decisions. (sighs) Mate, it's a matter of keeping some composure, pushing ahead, doing what we can to be as analytical as possible. But because the Cumberland throws a passion project, mate, we're not going to avoid the emotion that we have after that game. No. No, sir. Yeah, there's plenty to be very critical about, um, including the officiating. But the Eels were their own worst enemies here, 60s. Poor defence. Uh, a lack of direction in the first half in particular in attack uh, and just yeah some soft moments that allowed the Cowboys to capitalise and we mentioned it in the preview that they've got the strike to punish you if you're going to be uh, lax and, and lazy and that's what they did to the tune of 24 points let's go through the numbers quickly before we get into the minutiae here uh, we'll oh and but before we get into the numbers mate our sponsors our sponsors who had us hope well Big swing golf at North Mead. We had a function at their fine establishment last night. And uh, fortunately also, we were joined by Greg from Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. So we had a bit of a get together. Can highly recommend anyone going down to big swing golf at North Mead. Uh, I know they have some uh, indoor uh, sports leagues with their uh, golf simulators mm-hmm. during the week but they're also there for um, get-togethers uh, work crew um, gatherings after work for a, a, a few drinks watching the sport up on the big tv having a crack at not just the golf simulators but there's a whole lot of whole lot of sports simulators that are there so we had a, a big crew of people down there enjoying themselves so a shout out to Big Swing Golf at North Mead. Uh, You're not going to go wrong if you get yourself down there and uh, enjoy their facilities. If you have uh, uh, anything close to a passing interest in golf, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, The the simulator is really impressive, and uh, you you can play on some of the world's finest courses as well. So you get to have a crack at Pebble Beach and uh, St. Andrews if if you're crazy enough, um, given how unforgiving some of those courses are. But, yeah, it is a lot of fun. We had a great night, 60s. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So thanks to everyone that came along as well. And, uh, yeah, but now, unfortunately, we've got the reality of breaking down an Eels loss. So as much as we were having a lot of fun last night, maybe not so much fun tonight. <laughs> oh, and before I before I go on as well, 
Uh, we had uh, the 2GB continuous call team at Parramatta Leagues all day today. So they were there from one in the afternoon till 10 o'clock at night. We had two of the best plugs given to the Cumberland throw by Mark Levy during his stint uh, chatting this afternoon. Uh, I, I got to meet all the fellas there, st- shared a few yarns. Of course, our mate Spiro was in fine form <laughs> down there, mixing with all the punters in Jack's Bar and Grill. I, I did say to the continuous call team, I said, listen, you fellas have pinched our gig today. <laughs> but they uh, but they, they gave the, uh, the plug for our match day gigs down there. So, yeah, it was a bit of fun. Really enjoyed the time down there. Uh, so, again, it was uh, Parramatta Leagues Club making Jack's Bar and Grill, making the club. Well, today, not just the home of the Eels, but the home of Rugby League. Yes, sir. So it was a, a good day, and I hope uh, people that got out there uh, really enjoyed themselves. And let's talk about this defeat now, 60s, uh, starting with the try scorers for the Cowboys. Peter Hicker got on the board with uh, what must be said was a soft try in the third minute. Semi Valame went off a forward pass in the 10th, got his double on the 25th with Scotty Drinkwater completing the four tries with an inside run on the 54th minute or in the 54th minute. Uh, Holmes went three from four for try conversions, tacked on a penalty goal, and also got time in the Simbin. So a very uh, mixed night there for Val. Uh, on the Eels side of things, Sean Russell was our lone try scorer in the first half before Quinton Gufferson got Mitchell, Mitchell Moses over twice in five minutes in the 69th and 74th minute. Uh, Mitch, two from three off the tee, just missing one narrowly to the left. Uh, and then no penalty goals, no Simbins. For the Eels, probably contentious about whether there should have been a penalty goal there for the Eels 60s. We chose to take the tap restart, nearly scored. Uh, and I do respect playing for the regulation uh, time win. But I think mathematically, the penalty goal was uh, miles away the best option there in terms of trying to take this uh, game the golden point and give yourself the most time to play for that six-point try uh, in the wake of that two-point conversion. Yeah, and I think it would have well and truly put the pressure on the Cowboys if if they'd have been kicking off to an Eels team that had reduced the margin to six points when it was 20 points only minutes before. It was, I, I think there would have been something playing at their confidence, playing at their nerves in those last few minutes. I'm with you. I think we should have taken the two points there. And you know what? That could have also uh, worked in our benefit when it comes to points differential at the end of the year. Yep. And the other thing too is that playing for Golden Point wasn't necessarily a negative thing in my mind because the Cowboys were, like we saw in the grand final qualifier last year, they were wilting massively. The Eels were running roughshod over them in that final 10, 12-minute period. Um, and if you'd taken the golden point, I'm not sure if they could have held on. No, I, I, I agree. That, like, I, was, I wanted that two points to be taken. I wanted us to be running home over the top of them with that uh, from that kickoff. And as we saw the night before with the Raiders scoring like two tries in a minute, uh, who knows what would have happened there? Who knows if we could have gone... The, the length of the field, scored a converted try and then had time for, you know, the next kickoff and maybe a field goal attempt. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's all conjecture. It's it's literally when you're eight points behind now as it finished up, it's wild conjecture. Yep. Um, right? So, let, you know. Let's uh, have a blitz through the macro numbers. Possession relatively even. Cowboys ahead 51-49%. Uh, about 
40 seconds of time possession in their favor. So, yeah, really uh, not much in it there. Cowboys, very efficient in their completions, 85%, 36 from 42. Uh, Eels at 69% at the end, 27 to 39. Uh, there were a lot of mistakes in the first half in particular. Uh, Eels more dominant on the ground. Uh, they had 180 runs, 172, but went for nearly 100 more meters. So they were more efficient and effective on the ground there. Uh, in terms of line breaks, 8 to 4 for the Cowboys. Tackle breaks pretty quick, even though 40 to 38 in favor of the home team, the Cowboys. Uh, average set distance for the Eels, uh, five and a half meters in their favor. The play the ball speed, I, I do not know how the average play the ball speed is even close. 363 for the Cowboys versus 3.7 because I felt like we were getting pinged anytime we tried to compete in the ruck and the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're still the slower uh, with the play the ball speed, still the slower average play the ball speed, but getting pinged. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, it was, it was telegraphed that we were going to be pinged for that early in the game. And we, it just we got done for inside 10 that. multiple times early on for penalties and didn't get one back on the flip side when the Cowboys were being ultra aggressive in defense the entire game. So you cop that one, I suppose. Um, the offloads, well, the Eels went crazy in the final quarter of play, 31 to, um, to six here. Uh, so that was a big one there. I think that's the season high for any team. Uh, and can I also say then, because I think this relates to line breaks, there there was probably plenty of times there where the, the Eels, their play was almost the equivalent of a line break, where we were just surging with offloads. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't like a clean line break, but the... Retreating but defensive we were line. rolling well, well, through. Was, yeah, it was like, like tantamount to a line break, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because when I saw that the the line breaks were, what was it again? Was it 8-4? 8-4 in favour of the Cowboys, yeah. Yeah, when I saw that, I thought, that 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 can't be right. Like, the Eels were running roughshod. Some of the some of the attacking football that we were playing in the, the back half of the game was absolutely some of the best that I've seen. And look, to be fair... The fact that the Cowboys were scrambling enough to hold Parramatta out was, I mean, it said quite a lot about their defensive attitude. I mean, like we had them, we had them really tired and wilting, but they were as game as anything. There, there would have been plenty of games this year where if the Eels were throwing that sort of attack, there's been many opponents that we've had who would have just got blown off the park. Like it would have been like that those moments against the Dolphins in the first half, in all seriousness. Like that was, like there was some magical play that we were doing. But anyway, we, I, I I digress for now. You you obviously people are going to get the impression about some of the things that I'm going to talk about just from that then. But uh, sorry, mate, back to you with those stats. Incredibly in defense for all of Parramatta's struggles for the first sixty minutes of the game. They were by far the better team for effective tackle percentage. Cowboys down below 80%. You very rarely see that. 79% flat. Eels 86.5, a tick over that. Uh, 39 missed tackles for the home team versus Parramatta's 41. Nine ineffective tackles for the Eels, which has got to be close to a season low. 45 ineffective tackles for the Cowboys. Those offloads devastating that uh, sort of primary defensive contact. Uh, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's why the Eels came home for wet sail. And like I said, if they had another five, ten minutes, they would have run them over. Um, for all their issues in the first 60 minutes, for everything that we're going to be critical of, uh, they were coming home for wet sail. Uh, ten errors from the Cowboys to Parramatta's 12. Uh, four penalties conceded by the Cowboys to Parramatta's eight. What's new? Um, yeah, and, can I, and I just want to stop you there. 
we've got a that was actually less penalties that we got tonight than the season average, which is like four point four. Right, we couldn't even get up to our season average, but it's no surprise that we received four penalties, four penalties. And what you saw tonight, we we can't really comment on it because we're we're only getting the television angle, but the commentators spoke about the lightning line speed of the Cowboys tonight. Which is usually a telltale giveaway. Yeah, um, exactly. They're, they're up super fast. Why are they up super fast? You oh, know why they're, they're up super offside. fast. They're leaving early. Yeah. They're leaving it. And, and, it's, and it's straightforward like that. You know, um, but I mean, I can't say that because it's an <laughs> assumption. It's an assumption based on this, the, uh, the rushing defence that we saw – but the commentators also letting us know that it was that it was you know the the lightning fast uh, defensive speed uh, line speed that was happening there. So, but it's no surprise after that post that I wrote about what was happening with the eels that uh, and and mind you, I, I think we're going to start creeping in terms of how many penalties we're copping against us these days. But it fits in perfectly. Like as soon as the Cowboys hit five penalties, uh, I knew we weren't gonna we weren't gonna win the penalty count because we we just don't get above four. And I, again, I do want to stress that for pretty much all the Parramatta penalties or calls against us, I'm happy to cop them on the chin because invariably I feel like they're mostly right. But my my grievance is with the fact that teams are clearly you know being uh, mischievous in the ruck and whatnot and getting away with a lot. And it's just not been bombed both ways. So, very frustrating. Just wrapping up the uh, uh, game incidents here, 60s. Uh, Wonga Blake on report for a shoulder charge. Ryan Madison on report for what they uh, indicated was a hip drop tackle. So, we have to wait and see on that. I didn't think there was anything in it. Uh, but well, yeah, we spoke beforehand. And my first look at it, I thought that most of the contact was made with the ground rather than the tackle player. So, I, I would be stunned. Anyway. And then in terms of the individual stuff, big fella, um, offloads, obviously a, a big one here. There's a couple of players with uh, seven in the team, Quinton Gufferson uh, and Bryce Cartwright. No surprise for Bryce. He is an offloading extraordinaire, but Quinton Gufferson, very productive there. Multiple offload days for Penasini, Simonson, Barlaw, uh, Hopgood, Davey and Ryan Madison. So prolific off-roaders across the board there. In terms of other important stats, I think Guffo had an outstanding game, three try assists, a line break, line break assist. Uh, Sean Russell, two line breaks. Uh, and then Will Penasini, a line break and a line break assist. And I thought Will played pretty well, honestly. Um, I think it's one of my bones to pick with his team is that uh, I know that Mitch and Bryce have a fantastic combination, but we need to spotlight Will more. He's just such a good player. And it feels like we don't get him into the games enough. Yeah, so, mate, the injury to Sean Lane. Oh. Where do you start on that one? I mean, what? what I mean, knees, like, knees before we get on to the incident, before we yeah. get on to the incident, this is a season from hell. Trial, sure. trial game, broken jaw. Comes back, plays a handful of games, tears his hamstring. Comes back, plays a handful of games, and then gets, well, need in the head and some way somehow gets contorted into falling on his elbow or having pressure on his elbow in a way that dislocates him. Like, that, that wasn't foul play, that part there. It was just freakish. I do have issues with the, the use of knees in the contest for the ball, 
um, given what we've seen both with Reagan Campbell Gillard and Marty Tapau and Harry Grant. Nah, there'll uh, be nothing to see there, mate. There will be nothing I can guarantee. Oh, you're you're hundred percent right, but I, I, me personally, take umbrage with it. Uh, but my God, I, I, your heart goes out for Sean Lane. And look, he was clearly underdone tonight as well. Um, the, you know, the big fell going up into the tough tropic conditions, eighty percent humidity, sixties. I know it was only twenty-one degrees, but it was eighty percent humidity, and he was struggling out there on that left edge. Uh, without Dylan Brown. And as much as we spoke about how important Sean Lane was for Dylan Brown, I think is a reminder that Dylan Brown is important for that left edge, given what we saw defensively out there tonight, a complete lack of communication and execution in uh, the defensive systems. But poor Sean Lane, man. Like the, one of the most cursed individual seasons you're going to see. Like, yeah, other players have had more horrific long-term injuries. Like, uh, you know, we saw poor Hayes Dunster have his knee shredded going back a, a year and a bit now. But in terms of just back-to-back-to-back serious injuries, none of which are season-enders in their own right, but all of them taking out multiple months of uh, playing time. I don't know what he's done to deserve this in terms of walking on the ladders, breaking mirrors, but all I can do is wish him a a speedy recovery, the big fella. You know, already at this season, the number of players that we've missed through suspension, which is 22 weeks of player availability injury which i haven't tallied at the moment but we'd be we'd be heading up towards 20 with sean lane on his own by the time this season's finished um so we get to add in anyone else and then of course uh, origin stand downs so the eels are table leaders by a long shot when it comes to the suspensions like we've got 22 weeks of suspension and the nearest to us is the dolphins with 12 with 12 so i mean i obviously have a concern that our discipline isn't what it needs to be Mm -hmm. certainly doesn't fit like you can't argue with the suspension of uh of Sevo, no. you can't. You couldn't. You couldn't argue with the suspension of RCG with the knees. It wasn't the dog act that a certain journalist was ripping in about. Let him say that to the bloke's face, right? Try and do a story or go and chat with him, and then say to him. Mate, your tackle the, was a dog. By act. the way, I think you're yeah, you're a dog on the field, and you you yeah. don't play for any integrity, which is essentially what you're saying. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. I I think there's some I think there's some journalists out there who are really starting to push the bounds of of what is a defamation in what they say. It's, I guess that maybe they're getting out of it by saying you know they're they're being descriptive in uh, their opinions rather than making it as a statement of it's fact. It's a natural extension of the clickbait meta, isn't it? Where you, it is. You, just, you keep pushing and pushing the limits and uh, there's a lack of face-to-face, con- not even confrontation, but, uh, but I mean, they, they were literally bemoaning, I say they, the plural, they, the media, have been literally bemoaning with that player strike from media how most media these days is just done over the phone anyway. Like, they, they have very little face-to-face contact to play, so it's created this buffer where they, I don't know, they, they feel like they have a degree of separation or protection that allows them to uh, really step some lines. 
Yeah, yeah. So we're not arguing about that, some of those suspensions, but uh, certainly we've fallen foul of officialdom this year. We received the least penalties by a long way in the NRL. We sit 17th for penalties received. So it's not just... We're not bemoaning the, the penalties that are ruled against the Eels. It's just the Eels can't... They can't get a penalty going their way. They literally can't. I mean, you when you're averaging receiving four penalties per game, it's almost that your opposition is near perfect. Like, it's, it's astounding. And we see... We see teams that spend so much time uh, wrestling in the ruck, slowing the ruck up however they can, jumping early so they're offside. We we see uh, that much interference and the fact that the Eels can't get penalties, it's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, you do hear the natural home crowd calls at, at... Combank Stadium, the boos and what have you, looking for looking for the offside penalties, looking for the slow play the balls. But that's because they're standing out like dogs' balls. This that's slow the play the balls that the Eels have to cop. Well, in the in you this don't game, you don't lose the play the ball speed every week. In in this game, we literally saw in terms of what how useless the touches are. We saw a forward pass for a try. We saw Bryce Cartwright reach out and touch a juggled ball. From uh, I believe it was uh, Murray Talangi, which yep. would have been a knock on, and we saw Murray. I think it was Murray Talangi again score a try where he clearly knocked on about five times, and yep. it went up a try. Like he 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 literally scored the try and put his hands out saying, "I do not know if I scored that," and they awarded it. Like I'm not saying there's an agenda. I'm just saying that they're terrible. Yeah, well, I think we need to come back to this with it with the appropriate stinger. So let's um, let's push ahead with. First of all, when we were talking before, John, you came out with what I suggested should be the title of this Instant Reaction podcast. Yeah. So let's play it on the (laughs) listeners. Usually you come out of these ones and you have the rugby league cliche, yeah, it was a game of two halves. And in a way, this game was a game of two halves. The Cowboys had that big lead in the first half and the Eels came back in the second. But more so than a game of two halves, this was a game of two edges, wasn't it? Uh, Paramount's left edge, leaky. Uh, did I mean dysfunctional, discombobulated? They were not on the same page. Parramatta's right edge looked elite. Moses, Cartwright, Penasini, and except for that one error rucking the ball, I thought Sean Russell had a very good game. Uh, so, yeah, you could not have more contrasting efforts from the two sides of the field here. Yeah, so basically, we saw from uh, Dejan has had some struggles reading the defence. And it's and it's not. We're not talking about just the the missed tackles. We're talking about like his positioning and where he's drawn in or not. Now he's being measured up against one of the finest defensive halves you'll come across in Dylan Brown. And we know that there were tries tonight that would not have been scored if Dylan Brown was defending. Likewise, there would probably be tries that we've missed out on. If Will, if uh, Dylan Brown had been playing, like it is, with with players in there that 
don't have the combinations, don't have a history of combinations, and players who've probably played more lower grade than first grade, there's going to come a point where trying to get that consistency of performance becomes a struggle. Dejan was outstanding in those first few games for the Eels and playing like he was, he caught people by surprise with how well he played. And that's not to say that he's not a talent. If you're playing first grade, you've got talent. So let's be very, very clear about that. However, it's, I wouldn't say the wheels have fallen off, but there's been a little bit of a, a little bit of a struggle in the last few weeks. The Warriors game, this game, and look, even in the victory last week, there were some struggles. Uh, tonight, we saw Bailey Simonson, I would argue, probably had his worst game at centre for us. He's had some fine games at centre. He's, he's been one of the standout performers since switching from wing to centre. But that, uh, that sequence of play where we talked about the difference between the bad offloads and the good offloads that the Eels had in this game, but we went full manic football mode there and a culminated with him playing tunnel ball and yeeting the ball into the stands blind. And yeah, the, it just, it wasn't on. Like just. No, no, it it wasn't on. And, and, you know, so it's, it's like when you see problems on the outside, you look at what's happening on the inside and there was, there was a real um, disconnect between Dejan, uh, Lane, uh, Bailey Simonson, and, of course, Wonga. Wonga is so devoid of confidence. It's, you know, yeah, I don't think you can feel anything but sorry for Wonga. Like, there was, and there was that moment today when he got the ball on the sideline and he sort of came to a full stop. And it was like that. That was the in the second half, and it was like he he just didn't know what to do. And of course, he got tackled. But given that it was the last tackle, it probably didn't matter much whether he'd he'd given it everything he got to dive. He had to dive into the corner and got pushed in the touch, which it would have happened most he, likely. He hit the handbrake sixties. But he yeah, he put the handbrake on, and it was the last tackle. Like, so I, at the I know. Day, Better. I know Mike Acevo has been copping it this year for, like, you know, whether it's been a lack of production in terms of the rucking or how people feel like he's been attacking in certain situations, but he was a huge out this week. There were a couple of times in this game, Gufferson had a, a beautiful cutout past the Mike uh, at one at one point, and obviously that play you just mentioned there, where there is no doubt Mike goes in. Like, he, he will pin his ears back and score it. And for all the uh, legitimate, I'm going to say, complaints, uh, there are plenty of uh, there's plenty of merit to a lot of the discussion, but for, for all the complaints, what an out that was tonight! You know, just huge. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and like you said, he, he Wanga is clearly a, a man just absolutely shot in confidence, and to the to the point where I would argue he's almost unplayable. Um, like I, I don't know what the options are outside of him because Hayes clearly wasn't ready to go today because he was the, he was the actual named replacement for Micah. So uh, he clearly got dinged up some way, somehow. Yeah, uh, yeah, he did. But outside of that, I mean, you can push Bowie to the wing and throw a back rower into the centres. But bear in mind, we're already short one back rower, maybe two, depending on what the MRC want to do to us. But Sean yeah, Lane is not only that. Out. Not only that, BA is is not going to move players around to 
to cover. Well, like, he, he, might, he, might, he might have to because you can't play Wanga. Like on, on what I saw tonight at 60s, you cannot play him. A man that isn't going to attack the goal line to get your team back into the game, you can't play him. No, I, look, I can't. I can't disagree with that. It's. I just don't know what what the options are because, as I said, we have oh. just lost well, so the, many players. By the way, we, we might also be able to pick Wunger because he's on report for a shoulder charge. So, <laughs> like that might be taken out of our hands. In which case, you either hope that Hayes is back. I mean, that's that that would be the easy option, clearly. Um, or you move Bailey and play the back rower, or after that, you're talking Loomy Loomy or throwing a rookie in like Arthur Miller Stephen and just saying sink or swim, Rook. Yep. Now, we've got, have you got any more you want to add in there? Because we've, we've said how we weren't happy with that, our left side, and they're just. I, their complete disconnect. Defensively, I don't like how we deal with players, especially halves, crabbing across the field. Um, I don't mind them letting them get outside, but then it feels like the the interior cover defense gets sloppy and allow that cutback runner to punish us. It's not just this game. I feel like it's happened a couple of times uh, this season. So I would like to see that addressed. Um, aside from that, I feel like a lot of our issues were more execution rather than the yeah, systemic failures. Um, uh, I... I really liked what Joe F and Gary did in the first half, but I've got to give him a big, like, you know, whack on the head for the worst advice on a captain's challenge we've had this season. Um, his arm, ball carrying arm, touch the ground twice. You got to, you got to be cognizant of that. You got to be awake to that. Yeah, so, and and he, and he clocked off defensively. He did. With that he did try. for that, the cutback try exactly for Drinkwater. And I, I, at the same time, while I'm, I'm chastising him for that bad challenge, I do want to point out the, the stupid hypocrisy of the rule. The fact that passing off the ground is a penalty, but offloading late and a held tackle is comes back for the play of the ball. Functionally, they're exactly the same thing, like in terms of gaining an advantage from a, uh, a broken play or, sorry, a dead play. But one comes back for a play of the ball, one comes back for a penalty. Uh, go figure, rugby league. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sure there's some other stuff that I'm missing in terms of uh, uh, what about players. Um, just trying to think here. Maybe, maybe not. I do. I really do want to shout out the efforts of Quentin Guffers in his sixties. I thought he was. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into the praise because uh, there is plenty from this performance that I can take a positive from. Because if ever there was a game that was set up for the Eels to be completely blown off the park, let let's let's put it all together here. For a start, you've got a game up in those conditions, as you said, with the eighty percent humidity up in North Queensland, and a surface that they talked about was extremely dewy. So the the likelihood was going to be there about a lot of uh, lost possession. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the Eels' left side, which, as we talked about, just was almost non-functioning. The, the complete strangers to each other out there. So And, and, and then exposed early by the Cowboys with three first-half tries. So the score line's there. Then you've got some tougher times that were brought about with some of the officiating. Tough times that were brought out by the Eels' own play and errors. And you're thinking to yourself, what can the Eels pull out of this after that first half? And the Eels' second half... There was so much courage in that half. Like, there was so much resilience 
in that half. The, the They didn't get anything in the way of bright attacking football out of the left edge, but they got a little bit tidier in terms of defence and individual commitment to defence. The right side, I thought, were absolutely outstanding tonight in both attack and defence. Bryce Cartwright went to another level again tonight. Like his seven offloads, they were all Effective offloads, I know, yeah. Yeah. They were quality. And and in amongst it, he was asking questions of the defence with his runs into them. Like he was... He was on another, as I said, he was on another level. Gutherson was like, he was right up there. Moses in attack was, he was threatening all the time. Will Penasini was just like, the, he, it was the Will Penasini that we're used to. We had two weeks ago, Will, Will was crook. He was crook. I could tell people, Right now, I don't mind saying it because it's a few weeks ago. He didn't train. And then I heard that he was sick. And then that, that was the week they played the Warriors. And we saw how he struggled in that game against the Warriors. That wasn't Will. That was a player who was who was not well at all. It was not well. He, will was not Will because he was not well. So... Uh, and what we've seen in the two weeks since is what we were seeing earlier in the season. And he was, again, he was phenomenal tonight. I can't find too much wrong uh, either with uh, Shawnee Russell. There was the one lost possession. But apart from that, he he ran courageously he did. to the defence. So, as you said, this was, this was really a... a a game of two edges, and, uh, and and look, the forwards. I can't really complain too much about them either. I mean, yeah, like Jun- Junior the- Junior had a fair game. Um, Hopgood, or you know, solid. Uh, obviously, Open Guy had his moments in the second half that uh, he would like to have back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Brendan the- Hands, Brendan Hands, fifty-one tackles. Yeah, this, 51 there's, tackles. There's no doubting, and only three missed in those conditions, by the way. Uh, it was a bad night for Mitch Moses in defense, uh, 10 missed tackles, but the Cowboys ran a lot of traffic at him, and uh, with the dewy conditions, he obviously struggled in that regard. Uh, but but Brent- one, of the things, one of the things that Mitch Moses does really well is he puts his body in front of the, of the players. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there are a number of times where he's credited for a missed tackle and he's basically knocked the player off their run. And he mightn't finish off the tackle. No, that, that's fair, but he lets his cover defense get there in time and uh, do, and do I mean, in saying that, in recent weeks, he's absolutely taken a few monsters to school like David Fafita and company, but in this particular night, yeah, it was a case of he let Cartwright and Penasini and whatnot arrive in time to save the day down the right edge. But yeah, yeah to, and, not, not to... And th- I also want to shout out to Cardi and Hopgood. So Cardi, 37 tackles. Yep. On, on top of... Uh, Seven offloads, 100 metres. Yeah, is... Like, that was a phenomenal effort. And and Jermaine Hopgood, 34 tackles, only one miss mm-hmm. in that 34 tackles. So the workload of those three players was... Like, it was, it was something else. So, uh, look... 
there's as I said, there there is plenty to be encouraged about. But you're right, we've got we've got issues that we have to try to solve on that left hand side, and I think a lot of it's going to be solved. Hope well, hopefully it will when Dylan Brown comes back. We don't know where his headspace will be at, and we've got we're not going to dive into you know what might be playing on his mind or what have you. It's just straightforward. He's going to be, we we don't know what his headspace is going to be and whether whether he can uh, focus on football. Because if you talk to footballers, they will tell you if they're happy and they're settled, that's when they play their, their best footy. You know, when they've got, when they can push the, they've got nothing that plays on their mind, they will play their best footy. And we've spoken to players about that. We've had, we've we we've been fortunate to get that sort of insight. So, who knows what that means for Dylan coming back? He's only one week away from that. Unfortunately, we have to face the storm. Who, with, who apparently got an all-time spray from their coach Craig Bellamy? Well, you know, we don't want to be. That's the probably the time you don't want to come up against the storm. Yeah, after being embarrassed, we have to face them. And we have to face them down in Melbourne and we have to face them where, again, we are probably going to be further weakened with absences because Sean Lane will be out and we don't know whether there's going to be more suspensions. I mean, it will probably be typical of Parramatta season if Ryan Madison is suspended. (laughs) I think it would be ridiculous because, as I said, I don't think he made contact with the player. I think most of that contact was with the ground. And, and in fact, he was on the – I'd maintain, even without looking at it again, I, I, I would maintain his knees were sliding along the ground, not coming down on the player. So – and when I say sliding along, I mean he was being dragged by the player. Not, not sweeping with his legs way up in the air. I, I believe they came down – on the ground beside the player, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I mean, I've been wrong plenty of times <laughs> in the past. But uh, mate, um, so the stinger. Time for the stinger. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. Where do we start here? Sixties. I mean, well, I mean, we could we could start with another reference to uh, what. Your good friend in the Para podcast put together last week when he completed his dossier (laughs) on 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 all of the refereeing errors that happened in in last week's clash between the Eels and the Titans, and that and we should say to anyone listening, he completed a dossier with errors relating to both teams. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't looking for one thing or the other. He was just writing down all the mistakes that were made, it was, I, I got, I got partway through it and I thought I don't even need to read anymore. <laughs> like this is, this is almost too much to take in. So you've got plenty that you were unhappy about in this match. mate. Yeah. I mean, we sort of alluded to some of it already, but it was an ultra inconsistent ruck. Uh, there were, there were some really bad runs where the Cowboys were able to uh, neuter good Parramatta runs with extra efforts in the ruck. Um, we, we mentioned that Semi Valame's first try was off a very obvious forward pass. Uh, Bryce Cartwright got a, a knock-on from Murray Talangi that was missed by the officials. 
uh, Murray Tongi's try and it, what was given a try went up as a try when it clearly it should never have gone up. Um, look, the Eels have a, a historic win rate of forty percent under Grant Atkins. Like it, it just there is something about how he officiates these games that ends up not just bad but miserable for us. He just doesn't like the way that we play our football. Let's we'll bring it back. We'll say, uh, for the sake of being fair, uh, we we play a brand of football that he's not terribly fond of. So we're obviously doing something wrong. There there must be plenty wrong that we're doing this season because the statistics don't lie. You can't have a team who is a team that. I've heard, I've heard Brad Arthur rip into the team. I've heard him told reminders to the players about discipline. I hear them at training barking orders at each other about getting their feet behind the referee in the defence line, like it's one of their calls. That's how, like they are, they are so cued in to doing everything possible to avoid being penalised. I mean, they are literally, they're, they're not looking for an edge through pushing the boundaries of the rules. They're actually looking to fall, to not fall on the wrong side of the referee. But something is going terribly wrong because we're the worst team in the comp when it comes to receiving penalties. We are now 22 weeks and counting of suspension. And I repeat, 10 weeks worse than the second worst team. I mean, there are, there are teams out there like Penrith. Like Pe- I think from memory, Penrith's only suspension this year was a carryover from last year. I mean, that's what you call, a, a, I guess, a highly disciplined team. That There just isn't any fault that their players have had the 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 numbers stack up you can't we can't talk about that the eels didn't deserve those 22 weeks something is going terribly wrong for us and as i said i can't work it out i watch them train i i hear the coaches talk to them about discipline i watch their i, I hear their calls to each other reminding each other about doing the right thing. We all see it at the games. We see how quickly they get up off the tackle. No one, th- there is going to be no Parramatta supporter that would argue about the the speed that we allow the opposition in the ruck with the play the ball. Uh, I'd almost argue that they, they throw out that discipline right out the window because it doesn't matter. Like I'm talking about... Like not pushing the bounds because like I'm literally thinking they get refereed as if they do push the boundaries, that they do push the limits of the rules. So they may as well go the F ahead and push every boundary that's there because it's making not one scrap of difference in the penalties that they receive. It's not making one scrap of difference. Like, the opposition's near perfect. That's that's mm-hmm. just how it is. The stats speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. The opposition is near perfect every week. Yep. Do you get the feeling I'm over this, mate? Yeah, especially when you have like serial offenders in a neutral like scenario 
coming into a game against Parramatta and miraculously becoming ultra-disciplined. Uh, yeah. It is incredibly frustrating. So, yeah, I, I feel you on that, my brother. Uh, but unfortunately tonight, you know, the Eels on the wrong side of the ledger on both the scoreboard and in the penalty count. And uh, I think there's a connection there because while the Eels did play poorly for a good stretch of this game, if you take away the semi Valame try and you take away some of the other calls that led to tries from a penalty inside the Cowboys' half uh, that would lead... I think there was one where... Uh, maybe it was the Valame try too, but Chad Townsend massively milked uh, ruck infringement. Like, the, the eel wasn't even touching him, but he, he sort of flopped onto him and got a penalty. Um, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, between 6 to 10 to 12 points on the scoreboard, which completely changes the complexion of the second half. So... And that's true. Yeah, one, that, of, that's... one of those. There was. It was one of those early. It might be that one. I don't know. Yeah. But there was one of those early penalties. And look, I, just I, I say, to be hitting me. I say this knowing that this is true of almost every game. There are passages of play where you know penalties can influence a sliding door sort of thing. But it's just it's very frustrating when it's consistent with the Eels. Yeah, um, look, I I, I want to be want to go to pains to emphasise here that the Eels were still masters of their own destiny yep. tonight. Yep. Right. Calls didn't go their way. That they weren't the match defining moments. The match defining moments were basically that our left edge leaked three tries in that first half and just looked all at sea in defending. Yep. And if you if you're looking for the reason why the Eels lost tonight, bang, there you go. And even with a even with a forward pass, you still go, you know what? They were taken apart there. Maybe the, the maybe the try should not have been awarded, but they were taken apart to, to set up that that moment to set up that pass. So they have to look in the mirror. The the videotape has to be pointing squarely at the failure of combinations to get the job done as it should be done yeah, tonight. Definitely, definitely, mate. And so you know in. In us being critical, we're, we just we know what to expect on a weekly basis. We've got the stats there. The the Eels have won the penalty count three times this year. That's actually three crazy. Times. That is actually insane. The Eels. We're in we're at the end of round twenty one. End of round twenty one sixties. Yep, the Eels have had a faster play the ball speed in one game. In every other game this year. The play the ball speed of the opposition has been faster than the Eels. Some of them even approaching a full second faster. But it is like, so we're talking about significant, significant stats that are ultra consistent. The Eels receive less penalties than every other team in this competition. The Eels have had players suspended for more weeks than any other team in this competition by a country mile. Like the, these are the things which we know are true. And I don't know, as I said in the post the other week, the Eels can control things like suspensions to their players. Mm -hmm. The Eels can control some of the things that they, most of the things that they are being penalized for. What they cannot control is how Officials de determine how the well a judge how their opposition is from a disciplined perspective. They've got no control over that. So what I'm proposing is 
if the if the eels cannot get any penalties if the eels if every one of those penalties that the eels concede is deserved there is still something that's not working then and they may as well go to pushing the pushing the rules the boundaries of the rules because goodness knows sticking to the rules and working hard to stick to the rules to be disciplined is not working one scrap when it comes to decisions that are made in games. Mm-hmm. Rant over, mate. Yep. Time right, for right. our three, two, one. Yeah, let's get on to the uh, cap of a nightcap here for the game with our best on field. And uh, yeah, I dare say it's probably going to be from that right edge, big fella, because they were the shining lights in this one. Oh, also, I, I count Gufferson as part of the right edge in this case. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a real toss-up between two players for me. Mm-hmm. For best on field, Clint Gutherson or Bryce Cartwright. And because I ha- I don't think I've been able to give Bryce three points this year, and although we can't use the, the uh, qualifier of would they have won without them, because we, they didn't win, I say would the Eels have been able to make a real match of it in the in in this game to keep to stay in the contest without either two no they wouldn't have been able to they were instrumental in so much of the positive things that the eels did and i'm because of the his work rate with the 37 tackles on top of the threat that he posed in attack all the time and the seven offloads I'm giving my three points to Bryce Cartwright. Therefore, I've already telegraphed that I'm giving my two <laughs> points to Clint Gutherson. Yep. Uh, a real captain's knock. Seven offloads himself. Uh, his, his ability to find those tiring players around the ruck. What you saw tonight in the play from Gutho around the ruck was pure classic Gutho, King Gutho. That is when he's at his best, when he's lurking around the ruck, when he's he's looking for the 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 dart out of dummy half or, or taking a quick pass off the dummy half to explore him behind the ruck or to support runners. He, he was just... He, he was so good tonight. And then the one point... You know what? Moses was really, really something else in attack. A uh, few too many missed tackles. I'm going to go for the the real workhorse tonight, Brendan Hands, for one point. Like, yeah. over 50 tackles mm-hmm. tonight. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm, I'm swapping my three and my two. I'll go the captain, Quentin Gufferson, for three, and I'll go uh, Bryce, Bryce Cartwright for the two. Uh, but my one point will go there, Will Penasini. And that's a big, big shout-out there to Brendan Hands. Uh, to Junior Barlow, who I thought tried his backside off. Uh, Shawnee Russell, also very good. And, and Mitch Moses, too, who, you know, obviously those tries don't happen without him backing up on Guffo. Um, but, yeah, I, I'll go for Guffo and then the two big fixtures on the right edge tonight for mine. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, that brings us to the conclusion of an instant reaction, was which was really, really tough to do. Um, again, Thank you to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan, and Parramatta. 
again, thank you to Parramatta Leagues for hosting 2GB today. It was I thoroughly enjoyed being out there in Jack's Bar and Grill as part of the audience this week rather than being behind the mic. It was a nice little change of, uh, of scenery for me there. And um, good luck tomorrow to our NRL team, NRLW team, who are going into their first match of the season with, unfortunately, a couple of really key outs in Elsie Albert and Rachel Pearson. You, you, you probably couldn't have picked two uh, more significant players to lose the day before the match. Um, and also, as well, shout out to our Jersey Flag and New South Wales Cup teams who are doing battle now at uh, St Mary's Stadium out there behind St Mary's Leagues Club. The match has been shifted from Wentworth Park. So they're on, I believe, Jersey Flag at quarter past two and New South Wales Cup at four o'clock. I will do my utmost to be out there, perhaps doing a live blog. I'm going out to the NRLW match beforehand. I have a really tight timeline with getting from St. Mary's then out to Sydney Airport, um, all sorts of stuff going on at home as well. I cannot make guarantees that it will be there on TCT, but I, I will do my best. I need people to cover for me at home. I need people to... Uh, and I need times to work out and travel times and all that. So I'll do my best tomorrow, mate. But, uh, yeah, we wish all those teams all the very best. Nice way to wrap up, mate. And for those that got through the entire podcast, thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Go your wheels.